It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Have you ever heard of the Pinkertons? Well, they're a wildly shady and private security company founded all the way back in 1850. They even went after the infamous cowboy, Jesse James. What are you, some kind of sheriff? No, Jesse, I'm a Pinkerton man. It was sort of America's first Blackwater, which was the mercenary outfit tied to war crimes in Iraq. Except the Pinkertons have been linked to even more insanity, like being the private death squads for the titans of industry trying to union bust at the turn of the century. Well, recently, they were hired by Jeff Bezos's Amazon. Yep. Reporter Lauren Gurley is on the show to talk about her scoop. I'm Ben Maku, reporting from my kitchen, and this is Cyber. Lauren, I didn't think the Pinkertons were still a thing. I thought this was just, you know, the villain from a Western. <laughs> and it turns out the Pinkertons, they're alive and well, and they're doing some nefarious things for the richest man in the world and his company. Yeah. Um, I also didn't know they were a thing. I had to like look it up and there's like a Wall Street Journal article from like a few years ago being like, hey, the Pinkertons are still doing their thing and they're not that bad. Um, but, uh, turns out in, uh, we were dumped a bunch of documents from Amazon's global security operations center and sort of detailing how Amazon tracks threats to its operations. So, uh, one of those, one of the major things is labor organizing unions and then social and environmental movements. Uh, there was one line that in one of these reports that said that Amazon hired Pinkerton operatives and inserted them into a warehouse in Rocklaw, Poland. I pronounced Rocklaw wrong. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, uh, to, to spy on warehouse Vrokluv. workers. Vrokluv, Vrokluv, apparently. Okay, Vrokluv. <laughs> Someone sent me an email saying you pronounced it wrong when you went on the radio. Or Rocklaw. I think it's Rocklaw. No, because the, 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 the L is, if it's got a squiggly, it's a W. So Rocklaw. Rokwov? Rokwov. Rokwov. Okay. I'm I'm tangentially Polish. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, I should have looked that up myself. Um, so so we know that. Um, Amazon has denied it. They say they 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 admitted to us that they use have hired Pinkertons to uh uh, like sort of monitor their shipments and cargo security. Um, but the documents say like explicitly say that they've used them for monitoring warehouse workers. Today, news broke in Spain that they've also uh, used Pinkertons to spy on striking workers in uh, Catalonia, uh, near Barcelona. Um, and the Pinkertons, uh, in case uh, people don't know who they are, uh, they were a uh, uh, a group of um, a detective agency uh, that formed in the late 19th century in the United States. Um, they were involved in all sorts of things, but one of them was uh, sort of like waging these union busting campaigns for uh, sort of the massive titans of industry at the time and the steel mills and sort of going in with goon squads. Um, and trying yeah, and to- they're, they're, they're kind of known as the first the first mercenaries. Almost. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the first American mercenary crew. <laughs> exactly. And now they're owned by a Swedish security company. Um, there's been one strike, I believe somewhere in West Virginia in recent years where 
people have said there were Pinkerton operatives on the ground. Uh, but, but I think this is, <laughs> this is sort of, uh, uh, very interesting because it's, it's, you know, people compare the Gilded Age to what's going on today with like the big tech CEOs, but this is just like a very <laughs> clear example of that, literally using the same agency to, to, uh, spy on workers. I, I think that that's what's so crazy about this is that there's always these comparisons to, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos and all these Silicon Valley giants and kind of relating them to the Gilded Age and those 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 types of those types of titans of industry. And then he, they literally he literally turns around his companies using the Pinkertons. It's just like, were you did you mean to do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the callback is just like it's it's almost poetic. It's like <laughs> it it's it's maniacally poetic. Right. Yeah. Um, and it goes, I mean, the stuff we found goes beyond that. It's like they are not only hiring the Pinkertons to do this work, but they're doing it themselves. Throughout Amazon's 25 year history, there have been multiple rumblings of workers trying to unionize. The people united will never be defeated. But none of those efforts have been successful. Amazon remains non-union, in part by training its managers how to handle union efforts, like in this video, which was sent to Whole Foods managers in 2018. We do not believe unions are in the best interest of our customers, our shareholders, or most importantly, our associates. Uh, they have analysts who are intelligence analysts who are gathering data on like literally everything that workers do. So. Um, especially related to labor organizing. So anytime there's like even a couple workers leafletting outside a warehouse, say in like somewhere in Germany, like all of Amazon's global security operations center gets like an email, um, <laughs> like informing of them of the exact date, time, location, how many people showed up, what percentage of the turnout that they thought it was going to be. It's like they, they're, they're gathering all this data. They're also doing it to spy on Greenpeace, on Greta Thunberg's Fridays for Future group. Um, it's extremely widespread and they're doing it on the ground and they're doing it on social media. So this is something that, that I mean, Amazon is known to not want to have any unionization and clearly they're pouring a lot of money into it. I guess one question I have is, I know that like clearly this is a dollar and cents question for them, but is this really just about them saving a bit of money than having unionization? Like, why are they so afraid of unionization? If they're, if it's this, if it's this luxuriously rich of a company, <laughs> which it is, how could they not, you know, spare the cash for a, a, say a union? Why not? Well, I think one thing I'll say is that in Europe, there are unions like Amazon workers have unionized in France and in Germany and um, a number of countries. And there it's like they're confronted with strike after strike after strike, like workers are pissed off and fed up and they're extremely well organized. Um, and it does cost Amazon money. Uh, this is sort of what these reports are about. It's like how much um, sort of, uh, how much of a threat is this to us? We want to like minimize like losses. Um, but if this goes on in the United States, like, um, I think, I think the thing more than just losing money is, it's like a power dynamic, right? Like you want to be able to determine the, the working conditions of your workers. Um, so that like, uh, I mean, a, a company as like obsessively controlling as Amazon, um, can sort of, do what it thinks is best for itself. If there's a union involved, then you're negotiating with, 
you know, a, another very powerful institution and you might not have things your way. So it's more, it's, it's definitely a power thing um, and a control thing more than just money itself. You will learn about the warning signs most commonly associated with early union organizing, as well as other warning signs that could indicate associate disengagement, vulnerability to organizing, or early organizing activity. While employees have the right to organize, we have a right and responsibility to share our position that a direct working relationship is better for the customer, the company, and the associate. In order to be able to do that effectively, it is critical that we recognize the early warning signs of potential organizing and escalate concerns promptly. And there's actually, uh, very exciting, there is a uh, Amazon warehouse in Alabama, Bessemer, Alabama, that just filed to have a union election, which is like unheard of, um, especially in the South. Um, and that's going to, I think they're going to have a hearing on it in December. Um, but things are really heating up. And I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think I'm a question based on our reporting is like, how much does Amazon do and employ these same tactics in the United States. And uh, I think we have evidence that they do do these things. So they're probably doing these things right now in Alabama, at least to some degree. Do you think that, do you think in fact that they're deploying the Pinkertons <laughs> in, the, in the U.S.? I don't know. I mean, they say that they don't use Pinkertons to <laughs> spy on warehouse workers. They just lie. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. I think like the the smartest tactic in a place where there's a ton of scrutiny is maybe not to hire the Pinkertons, but to hire union avoidance consultants who are extremely well trained in, you know, teaching managers how to talk to workers and instilling fear into workers that if they vote for a union, they won't get a raise. If they sort of engage in activity, they will lose control over their job. They'll hand over their rights to a union, blah, blah, blah. They'll have to pay dues. So like there, there are other people doing this work now that are extremely skilled at it. And these, these unit avoidance, Union avoidance consultants like make tons of money and it's really hard to get information on them. But I'm sure like something along those lines is going on right now. Um, we know that Amazon hired a Republican former National Labor Review Board um, uh, employee to sort of consult with them on how to handle this Alabama union drive that's going on right now. That is wild. Yeah. So they're they really they're almost openly doing this. I mean, they're not ashamed to union bust. Yeah, I think a lot of companies in the United States, like I don't know, there are progressive companies who maybe are more subtle about it, but like most companies don't want unions, and a lot of them are not ashamed to come out in opposition to unions. And unfortunately, like laws aren't very strong in the United States. So it's, it, 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 it's, it, there's some gray area. There's like a lot of, um, I mean, like workers have the right, it's protected to join unions and to like organize, but, um, often companies like Amazon can interfere with that in subtle ways and just get away with it. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think, um, they're too afraid. Obviously this is a massive scoop, huge story. What's been the fallout? Well, Let's see. I mean, we we contacted a number of uh, members of European Union Parliament um, and they were outraged and they're working on getting something done um, on that front in terms of I think it's going to be I mean, they've written letters to Jeff Bezos before demanding that he stop doing this stuff. But I think they're they're working on launching something more intense than that. I don't know exactly what it is yet. Um 
Like I mentioned, the reporting came out today that Amazon also hired the Pinkertons in Spain. Um, I think um, people, if any, if anything, if anyone took anything away from the story, it's that the Pinkertons still exist and Amazon uses them. Um, I'm not sure what what's going to come of that, but I, I'm glad people know that. Um, I'm glad that's out there and that I guess Pinkertons was trending on Twitter. So that's cool. And you got this through a leak. This, this, these, all these documents. Yeah, these documents were all leaked to Motherboard. Um, and in kind of, I can't discuss in too much detail, but in kind of like a random way where I was talking about something pretty different and then um, realized that we could get access to all of them. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so, so it was, it was, it was lucky in, in, a, in some ways. Um, but uh, I think. Like the more stories that come out about Amazon sort of surveilling workers and, and like all of the internal work it does to crush uh, workers who are organizing and their union drives, like the more people who work inside Amazon are sort of willing to also come out and do <laughs> document dumps and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that I took away from this, is I recently heard somewhere, I can't remember who said this, but corporations were built in the analog age, you know, for, right. for a period of time in the analog age. <laughs> and now we're, we're in a, in a position where you've got social media, you've got the digital era and things move quicker. The world is completely different and organization is different. Mm -hmm. And yet these analog behemoths that we created, you know, hundreds of years, hundred years ago are still doing the same things they did a hundred years ago. Right. <laughs> I think that's just like capitalism. Like it doesn't change necessarily that much with, I mean, the fundamental like drive of these companies hasn't changed that much. I mean, the, the technology they have at their fingertips and like all of the sort of tools they have now are entirely different. Um, sort of the ways they can spy on people um, are, are pretty different. It's not like necessarily on the factory floor or something, but um but yeah, uh, I would say uh, there is definitely a strong parallel. No kidding. Well, thank you for coming on the show. This is a fantastic story, and I'm sure you have more coming. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on again. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
Lorenzo. Welcome back. Hi, Ben. Happy to be back. The cyber. Cyber. That's well, how it's actually that's cypher. How it's pronounced it's, in Spanish, actually. Cyber. Yeah. Cyber. I always love that in uh, Italian, the word for computer is just computer. Yeah, you know, we love uh, we love to just uh, use English words and slap an Italian accent on top. <laughs> Internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start. Let's start off with a barn burner story that was one of the wildest. I think we've that Vice has put out in a long time. Um, by our very own Joseph Cox. Yes, this is another classic uh, Joseph Cox story. Um, I think, uh, you know, this is part of the series uh, that has been uh, uh, investigating and writing about for a long time about uh, cell phone location data and all this murky, foggy industry that just takes uh, the, our locations on cell phones and sells it to whoever, basically. And in this case, Joseph found that uh, the U.S. military, and in particular the U.S. Special Operations Command, uh, which, as uh, as you know and some of our listeners may know, is responsible for counterterrorism operations in the Middle East and all over the world. They uh, also they also are essentially America's uh, kill machine. Exactly. So this uh, this particular branch of the military uh, was uh, purchasing uh, cell phone location data. Uh, from non-Americans, uh, from these uh, two companies, one called uh, Babel Street and the other one called X-Mode. Um, these two companies may not ring a bell, and I think that's part of the point here. Uh, they are sort of like uh, middle-tier, middle-like uh, companies that get data from other companies, that get data from other companies, that may get data from the apps on your phone. And the interesting, the other interesting thing in this story is that um, some of the apps uh, where the location was coming from were particularly uh, apps that may be used by Muslims. So there was like a, a sort of like a prayer app, app called uh, Muslim Pro. There a digital a, Quran as well. Yeah, there was also a, a Muslim-focused uh, dating app. Uh, so, so, you, so you can imagine that, you know, these are all, these are apps that... Uh, you know, maybe popular in the areas of the world where the military may be, you know, sending missiles through drones. Through drones. Um, so clearly a concerning thing because um, also the the app developers were completely unaware, or at least said that they were unaware of the fact that the geolocation collected through their apps was ending up on some military computer. Well, see, that's the thing is that whenever uh, U.S. Special Forces or JSOC wants anything, it, it usually has to do with a very specific task. And to know that it was being purchased from this weird kind of chain of apps and data, it also just sort of illustrates how you don't know who gets the stuff that you put on the Internet. <laughs> yeah. You could, could end up with JSOC by accident. Yeah, I think that's the most uh, disturbing revelation in, in a story that's disturbing on its own. Is that like I don't even know what to tell people that may be using these apps other than stop using them because, you know, both Android and iOS have uh, relatively good uh, privacy settings that you can fiddle with, um, but in this case, it looks like if you tell these apps that it's okay for them to locate you in any way, 
then it goes through this murky and like very mis- completely uh you know non-transparent chain of resellers redistributors that ends up as you said like on some on a network or a computer that is used by somebody that whose job may be to try to figure out who's a terrorist and who's not so absolutely it's pretty it's, pretty concerning it's terrifying uh, a terrifying story now the next one is uh it's I this was basically just me giving you I was just being sympathetic. A freebie. Thank you. Yeah, I was giving Always. you a freebie. I'm gonna take the pass and score the <laughs> goal. <laughs> it's a good story. Go for it. Mysterious bugs were used to hack iPhones and Android phones. I still think that the iPhone's harder, but anyway, go on. Yeah, so this is interesting because unlike the previous story, we really don't know much about what's going on here. And that's and that's the story, really. Uh so a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Google announced uh, that they had uh, found and reported a series of uh, very serious and critical bugs in uh, Windows, iOS, Android, Chrome, and uh, and and uh, reported them to you know uh, Microsoft and Apple and uh, got them fixed. And what's mysterious about this is that Google, for now, is not has not said anything about who was using the bugs, uh, whom they were used against, uh, or really anything else. All they said is, we found these bugs, they're now fixed, um, you can move on with your lives. You know, patch and then move on with your lives. And that's uh, that's interesting because um, the particular team within Google that found these is uh, called Project Zero. It's a very sophisticated and uh, expert team of... Uh, hackers that works for Google, and their mission is to find bugs in any kind of software, not just in Google's own software, but, you know, Microsoft Windows, uh, Linux, uh, iOS, anything that could be used by anyone on the internet, essentially. And in other cases in the past, they've been pretty quick at explaining where the bugs were found, who was using them, uh, because part of their mission is this public service, uh, this... um, yeah, essentially, they want to tell us. Uh, part of their mission is to explain uh, how they found this and uh, and give lengthy reports about how they found it. Um, and yeah, Google in this case has said after we, you know, to be fair, after we asked many, many times, including on Twitter, they finally said that uh, they're still looking into this and there will be a report in a few months because you know the explanation of one of the people on the team on Project Zero was basically. We're very busy. We have a lot of reports to write up, so this may take some time. I mean, this is a classic Lozo story. I got to tell you, I, lo- I love your. I lo- you just getting into those exploits weirdness. It's just it's very you. Yeah, I wish we had more details. You know, like when I when I pitched this story, I was really hoping uh, to answer some of the questions that are still unanswered here. But um, you know, I spoke to Apple. I spoke to Microsoft. I spoke to anyone basically to who could tell me and they were like ask google and google was like ask us in a few months um which is interesting on its own because uh last year if uh probably some of our listeners remember uh around a year ago exactly um google found similar bugs in the sense that like they were very important like critical bugs in uh, in the iphone and they you know within a, a few weeks of finding them uh, got them fixed and then published like a five part blog post like a research report essentially uh you know with all kinds of details about the bugs uh, and then google said that they were used uh, 
against a particular uh, ethnicity in uh, in Asia. They, they were pretty vague. Then report, reporters found out that uh, they were referring to the Uyghurs in China, who, as many people know, are uh, essentially a repressed, um, systematically repressed population in China. Uh, and then Apple came out saying, oh, this is not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It was very targeted. So there was this whole like sort of PR war between Google and Apple. And in this case, you know, a year later, uh, it's it's completely the opposite. You know, Google has found what, on what seem like very important bugs and and it, we don't really know anything else about them. Well, it's up to you to find more, my friend. It's your beat. Uh, we're, keep on crushing it. we're on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so this is, this is, yeah, this is like one of my, I mean, listen, I mean, cue the music, cue the UFO music. I just love this monolith story. It's just so weird. I also know it's clearly like a group of people fucking with everyone. It's not aliens. I mean, I really hope it is, but it's not. Yeah. Um, but just to recap, we all know there was like some weird metal monoliths found in the middle of Utah of all places, which I don't know. Utah always freaks me out. Uh, that was found there. Everyone, I think it had something to do with, there, also it's, some, it's, it's similar to like the monolith that was in um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And, and then it showed up again on in Romania, or at least one that was similar, because it disappeared in Utah, showed up again in Romania, or one like it. And it disappeared again, and, and our our uh, our our intern extraordinaire, Samir Fadowsi, he did some great reporting on this. Yeah, this is one of the probably most captivating stories of this week or the last couple of weeks because you know we're all sick of reading and hearing about COVID. We're all sick of, well, not literally, hopefully, um, all this kind of other you know the U.S. presidential elections. So what? What's fascinating about this story is that we, you know, what the fuck is going on, essentially? You know, like in the case of Utah, um, scientists and, uh, you know, investigators that are looking into this said that it was in a very remote, remote area, that judging from how deep the monolith was, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, encrusted or whatever in the terrain, there was no... It was very hard that it was done just by a couple of people on their spare time. They needed, you know, they presumably they needed some heavy equipment. Same thing in Romania. And yeah, the weird thing is that they're both gone, even though they were both, you know, under some sort of at least uh, casual surveillance, I would assume. Um, So yeah, they were put in these two places without anyone noticing and they were, and then, then they were gone without anyone noticing. So yeah, cue all the wild speculation. Um, but yeah, personally, I'm, I'm just waiting to find out that it was something like bank, you know, somebody like Banksy fucking with us. And you know, what? yeah, I, I gotta say, I saw the, the, the funniest tweet I saw about this was someone's like, I swear to God, this is, if this is some ad campaign for a fucking movie, I'm going to lose it. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. Yes. I really hope, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think on my top three theories is like you have, you know, aliens, uh, number two, some very clever artist like Banksy that was just fucking with us. And then number, actually number like 183 is like an ad campaign. Please forgot. For yeah, the, exactly. For the it's just like, for, yeah, no. it's for deodorant. It's for deodorant. This yeah. whole thing was just for deodorant. We all got duped. Yeah. Axe. We all got got. We all got got. Yeah. By axe. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. right. Well, that's it. I'll, uh, I'll catch you later. Yeah. See you soon. Thank you, Ben.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.